This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online access to licensed counselors. It's therapy you can do from your couch. So if something in your life is making you feel stuck or unhappy or frustrated and you could use some help, try talking to a therapist and start with BetterHelp. All you have to do is fill out a quick online survey and they'll match you with a counselor within 48 hours. And if you don't like that counselor for any reason, you can switch to a different person free of charge. To try BetterHelp and also really help out our show, you can head to trybetterhelp.com slash helpmebeme and you'll get 10% off your first month of therapy. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on my show is my personal opinion, and it is not a substitute for professional help. I'm not a therapist, and this is based on the tools I use in my own life. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're really suffering, call 911 or your local emergency services. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. Apologies for uh, the difference difference in my recording quality. I don't have access to my mic right now, and I figured I should just record it so it's out there in the world before we get to the holidays. Um, so this is an episode about navigating messy family relationships um, and negotiations. And basically when you have all the feels... Like, so as we head into the holidays, but really at any time, if you, um, especially in your life, if you're going through like a major milestone, like something in your life is changing, um, maybe the number of family members is changing, either a loss, a birth, a new family, part of the family is joining, um, etc. So that's usually when you will find that there are some power struggles or shit comes to the surface. So you might have... Um, especially with extended family members, like we'll have to renegotiate the hierarchy of our allegiances. And this happens at every new stage of building what we would call our family, especially when we break off and become adults and we kind of separate from family of origin. And that can be a really painful process and a confusing one. So if you are having some shit come up in your particular family, including a lot of hurt around negotiating the way you relate to other family members, then this is an episode for you. And this is aimed at organizing your feelings so you can remember why you're doing what you're doing. So the most important priority in this situation is to come from love. Why? Because when you do that, you are right with yourself. When you, can, when you come from spite or hurt, Conversely, you only hurt yourself because you make yourself feel like a shitty, selfish person. And you kind of bring on an additional layer of guilt. And that is one of kind of the heaviest feelings to carry. It feels exhausting, like like a miniature death. Um, so this is about really keeping your your brain and your soul clean, like being the author of your own self-definition and remaining in a state of control over how that self feels. And most importantly, who and what is allowed to take that soul down, you know? So in short, the goal of this episode is to act according to a way that honors you and respects you as your highest and most conscious self. 
So with that, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. When you get into that weird negotiation, maybe it's during the holidays, or maybe you're just trying to accommodate a family member, but also protect yourself. And maybe that means there's some family drama where one side is trying to bring you into an alliance, um, but you have multiple alliances. And maybe that's someone who is pushing your buttons, or maybe it's somebody that's being abusive. Um, and either way, you feel like you have to take it because you are related to them somehow. So there might be no one else in your life who you allow to treat you in this way. And the relationship is what allows someone to have access to you in this way. So you return from whatever it is, family interactions or fill in the blank old relationship. This could be with a friend, it could be with uh, an ex, it could be a coworker. Whatever it is, you every time you leave hang out with this person, you feel kind of stupid or confused or small or hurt or invisible or disrespected or violated or uncomfortable and unloved to say the very least. And so maybe right now you're conflicted about how the fuck to handle this because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't because it's, you know, this a relationship you can't just get out of. So what are we supposed to do in this situation, especially during the, fan, the holidays? Like, are we just supposed to deal? Which brings me to part two, the why. Well, here's like a quick and condensed why for you to frame this family member within. Often we have extremely hurtful family members who are, are intentionally um, judgmental or maybe they make us a scapegoat or they exclude us or disregard our feelings or intentions or maybe they're outright cruel. And just a caveat before I go into this one, I want you to ignore the why in this case if you are in the trauma healing stage of this relationship. Like meaning if you are... In actively in therapy and you're trying to like heal from whatever this person has done to you or is doing to you, sometimes it's really not good to hear a why because it places you in a vulnerable position, um, like under their shoe kind of thing. Like if you start to feel sympathy or empathy for them, it can remove your ability to protect yourself actively and it can work against kind of the work of healing of, from trauma that needs to take place. Um, So with that caveat, if you are ready to listen to the why, um, know that when people act this way, it's very logical. People who are cruel and or thoughtless are posturing. And by posturing, what I mean is they're acting bigger than themselves internally because inside they feel small. So just imagine like an animal surrounded by bigger animals and that animal is pushing the other ones down and like getting up on the backs of the other animals so that it can feel bigger, you know? Only that's happening on an interpersonal level. So it's a way to feel powerful and better than they really feel, which they feel threatened and insecure. So when someone feels threatened and insecure, they defend either by puffing out the chest and standing on something that makes them taller, or by deciding to cut off from their feelings altogether, like a willful denial feeling scared and resentful. There's also another version of this person that does not have the capacity to feel guilt or pain, the pain that is inflicted by hurting other people. So 
a lot of people who feel unworthy and therefore they want to cut off, cut off from the feelings of unworthiness because they threaten our ability to function, um, start focusing on hating or blaming other people. And that's because it's a relief from the internal pain. It's like it, it's easiest to vent feelings of self-loathing or fear or insecurity by pushing somebody else down and focusing on their flaws. And usually what people do is they choose the easiest target. Family happens to bring a lot of easy targets because they're people that are already, you know, meant to be nice to us. Like there are built-in rules via the obligations and power structures inherent in a family. So for a lot of insecure people, it's the only sphere where they feel entitled or powerful. And it's, this is not an excuse. It's just to show you how people feel shitty and want to feel better about themselves by hurting others. Like they, that's something that gives them some sort of feeling of power and control and relief from their own self-loathing. People who do not feel shitty about themselves and people who are, are feel good about themselves inside are very nice and supportive and caring towards others. So that's just a quick rule of thumb. You can just see it from the outside for what it is. If they're being jerks, it's because they feel like jerks. But to you, the sufferer or the victim, I know this just sucks. I, and the first step is just really to accept and mourn. So together, right now, I invite you to say aloud, I accept that I have a family member who feels like an asshole deep down inside, and that sucks. I accept that this person is a jerk, and they feel small inside, and that sucks. There. We have completed the first step in dealing with this situation. Past that, I will say, when it comes to you, we all have this built-in ideal of how things should look and, of course, how we wish they, they looked. And that's a really hard thing to let go of and to mourn because we want so badly to have love and closeness and respect. So when we can't have that with family and we can't have what our heart longs for it it feels like we failed somehow like we didn't say what we wanted in the right way or like what we're not trying hard enough or it just like it's something our brain can't really comprehend and and we often like argue with ourselves about it and, and we keep asking questions of ourselves like why is this happening should be this way it should be this way parents are supposed to be this way or siblings are supposed to be this way it's like but it can be really hard to accept that that is a wish and it's not in, in fact true. It's not our fault, but that's just not the reality. It's, it's like things are not the way we want them to be and the way they are in movies. And that's, you know, it's a sad thing. And I, I feel like I invite you just in this moment to think about, am I having a hard time accepting just the reality of what I want and that I can't have? Because we can put ourselves through a lot of extra work just by refusing to accept truth, you know, in this area in particular. Not to mention, when you are in that kind of position and you are building up resent towards a family member, you will end up acting from a place of anger in a relationship. Like, you will succumb to the lowest self in, in yourself. Like, you become your lowest form of reactivity and that makes you feel like shit. So when we act low and petty, 
we feel like low and petty people. So regardless of your situation, the highest form of victory in the face of this person acting shitty and dirty towards you is not allowing yourself to get down on their level. So because by engaging someone in a low and petty way, you validate them. You reciprocate the dance. And what I'm telling you is you you don't have to dance with them. You don't have to do their dance. You can keep being yourself and operating on a higher level that allows you to remain intact. Keep that soul clean. And I am speaking in a general way. I know there are certain circumstances when it is incredibly um, therapeutic and helpful to speak your truth to an abuser. And so I, I would say that's one caveat I will pass along. If you are working through some old ancient shit and this is a, like a step you are taking, disregard this part of the advice entirely because you know you best. Take what helps and leave the rest. Back to what I was saying. I know that might be a novel thought to you that coming from love is your goal. And maybe you're in a place of hurt and pain so intense that all you feel is anger. Like you want to hurt someone else. And if that's the goal for you, I think you need to circle the wagons and really think about what you are getting out of that. Because when you try to hurt someone else and all you do is kind of bite back or you know, stab back, you are perpetuating more hurt for yourself. And what we often feel is that by hurting someone else back, we are being seen or being validated or getting revenge. But that is a dark joy. And that is one that keeps us in a base level self, meaning we validate the worst in ourselves and bring out more of that. Like joy in another person's pain is almost like a version of saying, we are ugly, you know, like that we believe we are evil and ugly as humans. And I just want to draw that line for you right now. When you hold on to a desire to cause another person pain, you hold on to a wound, like to a need to feel something from them. It's like a version of giving your power away. It's, it's getting on their level and engaging on their level. So they win. So with that, let's get to the tools of this episode which are aimed at allowing you to put your feelings in some kind of order and therefore make you more capable of honoring yourself. Because when we get triggered by family drama, it's very hard to tell why you feel the way you do or to be able to navigate without hurting someone else's feelings, including your own. So with that, here's part three, the how, the tools. Tool number one is called build the hierarchy. So when it comes to family, we really have to look at our immediate family unit as our bubble you know like our immediate family and and the people we have we hold the most close to our hearts um and and by that i mean the people that we're going to spend the most time with that affect us the most that over the course of your life are going to be with you the longest and that might not necessarily be your immediate family it could be a partner it could be a best friend it could be someone um you know, you care for, whatever it is, it's, this is what I want you to refer to as your immediate family. And that is the, the circle that holds the top of this hierarchy. And I want you just to think about who is included in that circle, who will be in your everyday life and will continue to be in that everyday life for the longest amount of time in your lifetime. We can build a new family that we create norms for and rules for 
and that will be separate from the family of origin. I know that might be confusing, but whatever your quote family is, once you decide it, every other rule becomes clear for how you must navigate the remainder of any kind of family interaction. So when extended family comes into town or you're going to visit extended family, your immediate bubble, your first sphere will always come first. And you can think of these as separate kind of spheres altogether. So there might be like your family of origin is a separate sphere. You can think of um, your in-laws as a separate sphere from that. And it can be very confusing in your body when you return home for the holidays or you are visited by family of origin because they trigger old roles and with that old allegiances where you might find yourself shifting who you are putting at the top of that hierarchy. So for example, you might have played the role of keeping your mother calm and happy as a child, but now that you are married, you have a healthier role that is more balanced where your partner also makes sure you are healthy and happy at the same time. So when you find that you're in entering old spheres, somehow your role that is current and contemporary in your life will vanish and you will emotionally get kind of confused into your old role. So in this example that I've given, I want you to remember that you build your hierarchy from yourself out and that top sphere is who you owe the allegiances to at all times. They always come first, even when it comes to entering old spheres of your life or you know branches off from either side of your family. And that is true for the rest of your life. You always must honor your immediate family unit because that is, that's your family. That's like an extension of yourself. This is just how you can organize things in your own um, life when it comes to prioritizing people's needs. That said, there, once you understand what your hierarchy looks like, like I'm picturing a Christmas tree shape that is made up of a bunch of balls. So imagine the top is one ball, then below that maybe there are two, and then there may be like three that branch out from that. Whatever it is, you know what the top is, you know what the bottom is. From here, once you have this, you just know whose needs need to be negotiated and defended first. It doesn't mean that you won't have negotiations between those balls. It just means that your goal is to take care of you, your immediate priorities in life. It doesn't mean that you will not negotiate a gift to yourselves in allowing, you know, let's say it's really important to you to um, honor your spouse in your immediate sphere. And maybe it's really painful for them to stand up to their parents. Something you might negotiate for your spouse is playing a role during the holidays where you accommodate said parents as a gift to your spouse. But this at least helps you understand the why behind what you're doing in, in every decision you are making. It'll be something you make together and based on each other's needs and making sure you're taking care of each other's needs. And it can still be emotionally challenging, but it'll give you some sort of logic when things are very difficult and you feel guilty for doing what you're doing. And that doesn't mean you can't negotiate um, separate relationships as you, yourself, an individual. It just means this is how you negotiate dealing with things as a family unit. You honor the hierarchy. All right, I hope that made sense. And I, I kind of blended my metaphors here and there. 
All right, the next tool is called always be right with yourself. And this is a mantra. It's just something to hold on to when you are navigating emotionally overwhelming situations. You know why you are doing something. So just never cross yourself and come from a bad place. So say what you mean and own your truth and let the rest go. As long as you are coming from love and truth, there's nothing to regret. All right, the next tool is called The Birds. I am referring to Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Um, I don't know if you've seen that movie, but if you have, I just imagine the scene where all the kids are running away from the birds, and uh, they're actually pretty much any scene in that movie where people are being attacked by birds. So this is a metaphor for your shitty family member. And by that I mean, like, when people have shit that they are stuck in, maybe it's like a lack of confidence, or... They're stuck in jealousy or a shitty job or just a shitty life. That is all they can see. It's like trying to have a conversation while a bird is pecking at your eyes. So sometimes people are just stuck in their shit and they're living that shit. So don't take it personally. If they're jerks, they've got a bird pecking at their eye while they're trying to talk to you. All right, next tool is called Love Barter. So once you have your immediate team, like you know your bubble, you can negotiate gifts for one another. Like, you know that story, um, the gift of the magi? That is like what this is. That That's a story where a husband and a wife give secret gifts to one another, and they have very little money, and the wife gives him something that he can't use because he sold the thing he got. For... Anyway, Google it. <laughs> But you can do this um, for your spouse or whoever's in your immediate bubble and give them the gift of relief. So let's say your top priority is to protect one another um, and one of you is, is severely injured by being around whatever family member. Then you can give that person the gift of tolerating um, not acquiescing to this family member and and basically enduring punishment because of it. Like that would be the barter you're giving to your your partner. And when you can conceptualize these gifts you are giving to one another and talk about them as such, it's like the immediate pain of the situation doesn't hurt as badly because it's not about, you know, uh, being at the mercy of extended family. It's you're making it less complicated, less painful, and you're staying on the same team. And I recommend also having a secret password for like a worst case scenario. So like it's the emergency signal for um, I need to bail like or we need to get the fuck out of here now. So you could have a code word like, oh, I don't know, pineapple or I need to get uh, or I need to take a quick phone call. It's a good code phrase. And as an aside, when you are able to not put pressure on a partner to deal with, let's say it's their parent you will find it allows them to really see what's happening versus when you come up, um, when you put pressure on them to like stand up to a family member, like let's say it's their parent, what you'll find is they're often very defensive because um, they're the ones that are having to deal with your feelings versus their own feelings. And so when you can take the pressure off of your feeling of, of your feelings off of them and instead deal with your own feelings yourself directly, 
then they are more likely to fully realize what is happening and express their own feelings toward said family member. This is a really short explanation of a much longer situation. So if you are struggling with this type of thing in particular, I highly recommend a book called The Dance of Anger. I'm going to put it in the show notes, but it has a lot of explanations of um, dealing with these kind of triangles with extended family. Okay, the next tool is called Check the Jurisdictions. So by that I mean remember what you control and what you don't. If we want a certain outcome to be true, it does not make it so. So if your partner or someone in your family really wants to be able to enjoy their time and feel safe at a family gathering, but they just don't feel safe at a family gathering, then you cannot tell them that they need to. Like You control yourself alone, and you cannot make anyone feel differently than they do. It's also not your job to do that. It's your job to recognize what is and accept it. On the other side of that, if you are suffering because you have a really cruel family member Know that you have a lot of control just by controlling yourself. You you have so much power in just that jurisdiction. You can remove yourself from the situation and remove access to yourself. And you can feel good about that decision because that is how you love and honor yourself and make it not about you. And you're also not removing the joy from others. You're, you're just taking care of yourself. All right, the next tool, sand grains in the values scale of life. So picture two, like those little value scales that they have on like a lot of court buildings. And um, I should just call them scales. They're scales. And imagine you're just pouring little grains of sand into one side and then the other and just balancing them out. And this is a, a way for you to remember that your ultimate goal is just being yourself, but not abusing yourself. So while you're gauging what you should do about whatever family situation you're about to enter into, you have to weigh what hurts the most and also what makes you feel the happiest. But it, you have to look at it from far enough away. So it's really about paying attention to what you need to do um, in order to create that right balance. It's a very nuanced negotiation. For example, like, let's say you really want to make your spouse happy, um, even though you, do, you will not have fun at this gathering. That would be like, you're like, how unhappy will it make me to endure this gathering, which is only two hours? And how long, how happy will it make me to see my spouse really happy, um, which will last like f- five days or something like that. So it's, you're kind of like negotiating, weighing everything and then kind of squinting at it to see where the scales are measuring. All right. The next tool is called, what will you wish you did? You get to decide based off of what you will ultimately feel is best for you from afar. Like you can decide based on the end of your life. And and even if you don't emotionally feel like you're there yet, you can work towards that goal. Like so if, for example, is there a self that will feel bummed out that they, they made a certain decision when you're, you know, when this family member has passed on? and you're at the end of your life, will you be like, fuck, I really wish I said bye. I really wish I just saw them. I just want you to think about this. This is one of those things that's like really annoying to have to think about, but it's worth considering just because I feel like when we're in the shit and we're dealing with our, our emotions and our baggage, we're usually in like a pain management mode that only factors in the present day. And we don't allow ourselves to think about like, 
maybe it will be worth it to me when I'm older. Because that's the stuff that like is harder to think about, stressful to think about, but worth considering because like sometimes you make some important decisions. You, you make some harder, more important decisions. I know for myself, my therapist told me to do this and I was like, no, I don't want to. But I'm so glad I did it because like I made so such different decisions based on that. Because you don't get a lot. There's certain things in life you don't get to do twice. Like, you know, for example, getting married to someone or you, introducing your new child into the world or, you know, hosting a holiday when somebody is at the end of their lifetime. It's like there are certain things like really think about how will I feel at the end of my life. All right. Next tool is called the bad four and the great eight. So this is something that's sunk in for me. Uh, A wise woman once said that in order to really get the good stuff of your relationships, you'll have to move through some, some, some years of bad stuff. And that is just the nature of people and the shit they go through. Um, This person was speaking in the context of a marriage, but I think it's also true of familial relationships. So know that you have to be true to yourself. You have to protect and honor yourself, honor your immediate pod. And also trust that it's it's worth it to check back in with people because people do change. And sometimes they grow up when you're not looking. So don't forget to check up on relationships that maybe you had to let go of for a while in your life. And... Um, don't write people off completely unless this is like somebody that's officially dangerous to you. I, I don't want like use your, your best judgment here, but know that when we witness somebody without judgment and without what we're expecting to see, often we will see lots of different things, um, in a good way. And in the course of your lifespan, like you might go through like four shitty years with someone, but then you'll have a decade or two decades of great years with them when you, you expected that you would never have a relationship with them again. It is possible. So I hope those are helpful. Before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Braley. Thank you so very much for your donation and, and from Ireland. Thank you so very much. And all of my sponsors, I appreciate you guys so immensely. If anyone out there has the means to make a donation, they really help. If you don't, I totally understand. If you could write me a review on iTunes, I love the reviews. They're so wonderful to read. Um, Or a heart on SoundCloud or a comment on SoundCloud. So in closing, as we get older, we reach different milestones and what things mean to us changes. So never forget to have hope. And the board game of life and love and who you are and what that self creates is played over many years. So just, I want you to imagine you're standing back and you're looking at it with me, like from far, 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 far back. And just remember where, where you might have a goal that is related to like something now, you might not realize that it's coming to fruition because it comes to fruition over the course of the next four years. And you'll finally be able to see your growth after, you know, four years passes by. But in the moment, it feels like I'm trying my best and I'm being a good person. It's not making any difference. It is making a difference. With other things in life, it's really easy to, to 
see them as valuable. Like for example, like a stock investment plan or like when you, when someone hands you like a brochure, that's like, this is how your, your money will grow in over the course of the next 10 years. That exact same thing happens to you in the investments you make in your quality of being as a person. Like the exact same thing is, is growing and enhancing, but you, you just can't see it in the moment. But what you do, how you show up matters and it is making a difference and you are creating a life and a legacy for yourself with every investment you make in being a good person. So do not lose hope and do not lose yourself and know that if you invest in building good relationships and in creating meaningful moments for yourself, it will bear fruit and it will show up in your life. It just might not be as evident as, as you want it to be until like eight years from now when you see all of these seeds grow. So never discount the value of kindnesses, small gestures, being accountable with your word, and coming from love. So with that, I send you my love and well wishes for the holidays. Stay safe and healthy and don't forget to smile.